I don't know anything about them, so I'm not going to judge them, but this guy was walking towards me down the high street outside WH Smith, and he had his, arms half, his eyes half shut and his arms out right, wide, and he was singing, Shine, Jesus, shine, as he walked down the packed high street. And I remember as a teenager seeing this guy thinking, well, to be honest, I thought you were a nutter. To be, um, but it kind of messed with my head a little bit about um, what this guy was doing. And half of me, I mean, the, 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 the outside, the, the sort of bravado of me as a teenager was like, he is a nutter. What, why is he singing Shine, Jesus, Shine down the middle of the high street? It's just, it's not doing any good. What's the point? Well, you're just embarrassing. You're embarrassing us Christians, basically, for, for doing this. But if I was really honest, if I had been honest, which I probably wasn't at the time, um, I was kind of thinking, actually, there's something about him and Jesus that, that um, means that he wants to do that in the middle of the high street. Anyway, I'll explain why I mentioned that in a, in a moment. So um, we've been looking at worship the last four or five weeks in the evening service. And we're going to continue looking at worship, but it's going to be looking at worship in a very different way. So we're going to start by reading um, this verse from uh, Colossians 3 together. So Not together, I'm going to read it to you. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, uh, next slide, please, uh, Daniel, thank you. You'll see that the first half is all about what we've been talking about the last few weeks. It's about our sung worship in church. It is about how we gather together and we sing psalms, hymns, and songs, and we sing to God and we pour out our gratitude to him from our hearts together in song. That's fine. That's what we've been talking about. But the second half of the verse, on the next slide, please, is whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. Paul is basically saying here that it's not just about coming to church and singing your songs. Worship is about whatever you do. And he doesn't just say that here. He says it in another similar verse in Colossians, in Ephesians. He says it in 1 Corinthians 10 as well. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. Worship, as we know, isn't just about singing. It is about whatever we do. Now, Jesus also highlighted the fact that geography or location or building isn't important either. There's a famous story where he's talking to a Samaritan woman and he's explaining about worship. And he says this, and we've got this, this is from John 4. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. What he's saying is it doesn't actually matter where you are. You might have a preconception that worship takes place in this building or in this conference or at this festival or in this context. But what he's saying is that's not important anymore. But what he is saying is important is the second bit. True worshippers, and after all, that's what we want to be, will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. In other words, what Jesus is saying is where we worship doesn't matter. It's the kind of worshippers we are that really matters. Now, to help us understand this a little bit, I want to read one more verse, which is uh, Romans 12. 
I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is what true and proper worship is. Offering yourself as a living sacrifice. And I kind of think my Jesus Army friend with his camouflage jacket on, singing Shine Jesus Shine down the high street, I think he kind of got that worship isn't about being in a building. He knew that it wasn't just good to go to the meeting or the the church or the, the hall or the chapel. He knew that worship for him wasn't just in the building. But he wanted to be passionate for Jesus even in the high street. But what I think he might have got slightly wrong is the whatever you do thing. I think he thought that to worship you had to sing. I don't know. I never never asked him, obviously. So maybe I'm completely judging him. But I think the, the fact is we don't have to sing our songs down the high street to be true worshipers. But what we have to do is offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Now, what on earth does that mean? This is just by way of introduction. What we want to do in the next few weeks in the evening service, in the 6.30, is we want to help us all be better at worshipping Jesus when we're not here on a Sunday. Because I think we're pretty good at worshipping Jesus here on a Sunday. And I want us to be better at worship. I want to be better myself. You need to be better. We all need to be better at worshipping Jesus in whatever we do as living sacrifices at school, at college, at work, in our homes, whatever we do. And as we were talking about what we're gonna, what we, how we might help people, um, Andy particularly, Andy Dawson, was talking about what, what we've kind of termed forgotten spiritual habits. Because there's lots and lots of things you can do as a Christian to help you get your head around what it means to worship tomorrow morning in school, what it means to worship tomorrow morning at work what it means to worship tomorrow evening in your homes. And I think what we'd like to do this term is look at some of those things. Um, I'm not going to discuss them all now, but they're going to put them on the screen now. So we've got things like silence and solitude. We've got meditation. We've got celebration. So those are the kind of things we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And the purpose is that we get better at worshipping in whatever we do. And we're hoping that some of these things, we can put them into practice over the weeks and get better at worshipping in whatever we do. Now, before we have a short break, which we're going to do in a minute, um, I just want to talk about habit forming. So I've got some numbers on the screen. Um, there's, a standard kind of, uh, there's a standard kind of knowledge that says that it takes 21 days to form a habit. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Three weeks to form a habit. So in other words, if you want to put a spiritual habit in your life, something which will help you worship with your whole life, then it'll take you three weeks. Now, apparently, that's nonsense. So if you held on to that, I'm sorry. It's not true. Research shows that it actually takes 66 days to form a habit, form a pattern of behavior, which you then keep going after that time. 66 days. Now, um, the problem with that number, of course, is it's an absolute average. It's not an exact science. I can't say this person will all in 66 days be able to do this. Some people only take, I think that's uh, yeah, 18 days. So some of you will be really good at forming habits and within less than three weeks, you'll have a habit and you'll be up and running with it. Others of you, unfortunately, will take as long as 254 days, which is like eight months or something. And you'll still be going, I really haven't got this habit. So there's no guilt if you're one of those 254 days people. But if we try 
and apply ourselves. We want to build into our lives. And this isn't about us from the front telling you because we're going to do this too. Build into our lives things which will help us. Now, the interesting thing about 66 days is, is it's 63 days to the end of Lent from today. So we've got until Easter to put some of these things in. And if you're average, then you're going to nail it by Easter. So that's good. So how this is going to work is that each week we're going to introduce a, um, a new habit and then we're going to practice it. And we want you to, to buy into this and we want you to um, get involved and we're going to try and find different ways where we can um, help each other. So we're going to have lots of feedback on the next Sunday about how you've got on. We might use those VVox questionnaires. We might have comments from the floor. I think Rob was talking about maybe some videos online. We're going to do um, encourage us to sh talk and share and give testimony. We want you to work at this and we'll share our highs and our lows. We'll share our successes and we'll share our failures. And those of you who are 254-day habit people, you can share about how you're really struggling. And those people who nail it in 18 days can celebrate with us how easy you found it. But we're going to talk about these things, and we're going to wrestle with things, um, these things and try and get better at them. Now, um, one, one suggestion was, and this is probably for a slightly older generation, is that you might like to get with two or three other people. You might like to do this in life groups, or you might like to do it with two or three other people and make a little WhatsApp group called Forgotten Spiritual Habits. And then, over the weeks, you and your little mates in your WhatsApp group can share your, how you're getting on. And you can encourage each other. So that's the kind of general idea. So what we're going to do now, um, before I launch into the first one, which we'll talk about in, in 10 minutes' time, we're going to have a breather. You can go and get coffee. You can sit and chat. You can go outside and have some fresh air. You can find two, other, two or three other people you want to form a WhatsApp group with. You can chat to them. You can say how this makes you feel. You can do whatever you like in the next 10 minutes. Have a breather. We're going to relax, just chill. Begin to talk about some of these things. Maybe something on that list that was up there. In fact, Daniel, could you get those list of habits back up again? Thank you very much. Maybe one of those you can say, actually, let's try that one, even though we haven't talked about it in church yet. So 10 minutes. Then I'm going to call you back and we're going to look at one of the first ones which isn't on the list together and uh, to close our time together this evening. So enjoy 10 minutes coffee, relax, chat, see you in a moment. Great, I'm glad you've all been chatting away. I'm glad to hear some light-hearted conversation because things are about to turn heavy, I'm afraid. So um, buckle up for the next five minutes. Okay, great, brilliant. So that's where we're going this term. So I'm introducing the first one, and this wasn't on the list. Um, but the first forgotten spiritual habit that we're going to talk about, I've got the wrong bits of paper. I've got my first half. I'm about to repeat all the... Thanks. Great, there we go. So there we go. Okay, the first, the first spiritual habit we're going to look at this term... And when I finish talking in about five minutes' time, I'm going to ask you for some practical ideas of how we might put this into practice this week because I don't actually know the answer, um, is simply submission. The act of submission. And we start with this one because, quite simply, I think that the other ones all require a level of submission to get us in that state of mind that we're willing to do the other ones. You have to submit 
to the role and the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your life before you'll attempt the other ones. So we start with submission. And as I said, um, <laughs> I was only half joking, this, this, this is quite intense, okay? Seriously. And as I was thinking about this week, I was thinking, blind, this is really challenging. Mark 8, 34. Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That's what submission is about. Now, the context of this is that when Mark wrote his gospel, he was specifically hoping that his first readers would be some of the Christians in Rome who were experiencing persecution and trial. So when he wrote his gospel, he emphasized some of those things which actually highlighted the fact that if you are a follower of Jesus, it's not going to be an easy life. In fact, he was trying to make the point that actually if you follow Jesus, your life may be very, very difficult and we're to expect it to be difficult. And there are two huge, huge challenges in this act of submission from that verse. The first one is this to deny yourself. And I think this is really, really hard, to deny yourself. Now, just to make it clear, this isn't about denying yourself something. It's not denying yourself something. So it's not like saying, I'm going to give up um, social media and chocolate for Lent. It's not that's not what it's talking about. It literally means to deny yourself. And that's why it's so hard. It's almost like a reorientation of your life, saying that you are no longer the most important thing. Jesus is the most important thing in your life. God must be the center of a life where the disciple has denied themselves, a life of submission. The purpose as Christians of our lives now is Jesus. It's not Mark. It's not ourselves. The purpose, our actions seek to serve God and to serve his purposes in other people's lives rather than to serve our own lives. We must deny ourselves. That's what submission is about. That is very difficult. The second one is just as difficult. And this is we are to take up our cross. We are to take up our cross. Now again, this isn't about a burden that you might carry through life. And, and I've often heard it used like that, and I've probably used it like that myself. But in all the books that I've read about this, it's not about, it's not about having an illness or a problem or a difficulty that somehow you sort of carry with life through you, and that's your cross. It, I'm afraid it literally means you need to take up your cross and follow Jesus. What that literally means is, just like Jesus picked up his cross and carried it outside the city and was nailed to it and gave up his life. That's what it means. The image is definitely that sense of a convicted, condemned man being forced by the Romans to carry the wooden crossbar to the place of execution where their life is taken from them. And that's why it's hard. Now, I'm not saying that all of us will die for, for Jesus. And probably on the law of averages, we've talked a lot about averages tonight, 66 days for a habit. The law of averages, we're all going to live to a nice old age, 80, 85, whatever, 90, and that'll be fine. 
But denying yourself and taking up your cross means stepping out, submitting your life to the willingness that you could give up your life for Jesus. Isn't that hard? Do you know what? That is so hard. I think that is so, so hard. I mean, it might not mean giving up uh, your life, but it would physically, but it does mean, I think, giving up your rights, giving up your privileges, giving up your needs for the sake of Jesus and for others. And I think it does mean learning to love other people with a love which is totally self-giving and selfless and generous rather than holding ourselves back and building our own little barriers and, and protecting ourselves. No one ever said following Jesus was easy. And if they did, I think they've missold it to you. Following Jesus is probably the hardest thing you can do because it requires you to submit, submission, to deny yourself and take up your cross. And, and please don't hear me, as, this is a sort of con- condemning preach because it's not like, come on guys, you need to be better. At, this is so hard. But I don't, think you can, I don't think you can run away from it in the Bible. The followers of Jesus are called to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. I think I'm right in saying 11 of the 12 disciples died, were killed early because of their faith. I think that's right. So that's what the expectation was. And that was what they knew that they were getting into. Now, that's the bad news. The thing is, though, of course, this is, there's an amazing paradox to this. There's an amazing flip side to this. And we see this in Mark 8:35, which is the next verse. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You see, there's something amazing about being a follower of Jesus. And this is how his grace works, is that when you give up everything, he gives you everything. And when you lose everything, he replaces it with everything. And that's fantastic. But sometimes that's hard because what, what we're replacing it with, we don't fully have yet. And we won't have until the next life. And so it's quite hard, isn't it, I think, to give up everything now for the promise of what is to come. But I'd say... I'd say that for me personally, following Jesus is definitely worth it, even now, even though I'm not there yet. I haven't inherited the future yet. But even on the day-to-day basis, I would still rather follow Jesus. There's an old delirious song that talked about how um, if he, he said, if I die with no reward, if I die with no reward. In other words, if I get to dying and realize it's not been true, he, said, he basically said, I still would have done it. I still would have carried the sword. That's the line he says. And I think I can say that's true for me. Even if I get there and somehow I don't get the full reward I'm expecting, it's still worth following Jesus on a day-to-day basis. But it is hugely challenging. The next verse is, is where, we, where we see what it's, what it's really talking about, what Jesus is talking about. So verse 36 For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What Jesus is basically saying is you have a choice. You can either embrace the world, pursue the world, all its opportunities, all its aspirations, all its affluence, all its acquisitions. You can either pursue that, and those things are not wrong in themselves. You know that's true. 
But you can either pursue that or you can give up your right to that, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And if you do that, you will gain your soul and you will gain eternity and you will gain favor with Jesus forever. Our reward will be in being right with Jesus. So that's the first one. It's a hard one. All the rest are easy. You'll be able to do any of them next time because they're like really easy. So the first spiritual habit that I want us to start building into our lives over the next week, and maybe even for the next six weeks, 10 weeks, next year, 254 days, is a sense of submitting ourselves to God instead of living for ourselves. Now, the question is, of course, the problem is, this is hard. I don't know how to do it. So before we go into a brief time of prayer ministry and then we come to a close, I'd love you to have two minutes with the people next to you. And I want to get maybe five or eight great suggestions from the floor as to how we might put this into practice in the next week. And then next week, I'm not here actually, Rob can um, badge you or see how you get on. Okay, so the idea is we're going to come up with some ideas. And I think, I reckon we could probably get five, six, seven, or eight ideas of how we might practically do something this week which begins to put into practice this forgotten spiritual habit of submission. So, two minutes talk, and then I'll call us back together again, and we'll get some ideas from the floor, and then we'll begin to come to a close. All right, go, talk, two minutes. Fantastic. Great. Okay, brilliant. Um, I'm looking forward to this, some wisdom from the floor, which is what we need. when we, did the, when we did the talk about posture in worship, you were all so brilliant at giving feedback. It was really helpful. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, Kate has just reminded me, which is really helpful, and I hope, I hope it hasn't come across. We, we, we need to remember the first sermon of this series five weeks ago, which is all about God's grace. So this isn't about trying harder or trying to win God's approval. This is just about coming under his love and walking freely, like that penguin swimming in the swimming thing, It's about freedom to be who you're meant to be under God's goodness and his grace for our lives. But I want to be able to deny myself and take up my cross better than I'm doing already because I don't think I'm very good at it, actually. And as I was writing this this week and thinking about this this week, I realized actually I'm very bad. So, um, who, just call out, put your hand up. Some of you might not have had any ideas, but some of you might have got a couple. So, any thoughts? Who wants to go first? Um, living prayerfully to sort of like see where God's taking you. Brilliant. Living prayerfully. And uh, what, what do you mean living prayerfully? I mean, I think that's great. But what, what do you mean, Jack? So like, um, like in all of your decisions, sort of like trying to keep Jesus in mind of how this is going to benefit building his kingdom, but not how it's going to benefit my life, but how it's going to benefit like Jesus' kingdom. Brilliant. That's such a good start. Jack, thank you very much. I'm, I'm now got, we've got one thing we can do. Brilliant. So that's about prayerfully praying before everything. So seeing how is that going to benefit um, God's kingdom rather than just benefit me. I've, often, I've, I've heard of people who would pray before spending any money and saying, God, is this really the best use of my money? So that would be one. That's great. Fantastic. Do we have another one? Okay.
Okay, that's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, thank you for being honest. So it's, she was saying about it's hard not to stand your own, fight your own ground and stand up for yourself, but allow God to fight your battles for you. That's, that's a really good one. That's about laying down your rights, I guess, in some ways. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. Hello. Say it again. You want to know how I got to work? Yeah. How did you get to work without speaking to God? Should you not speak to God first thing when you get up in the morning? Okay, that's a good tip. Speak to God. That's very yeah. So you're making the point that I said. How do we do? How do we bring God into our school or our work or whatever? And you're saying that actually you do that before you do anything else in the day, and then that sets the pattern for the day. Don't leave the house. Don't leave the house. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. That's helpful. Okay. That's good. Anything else? Anything practically? Pete, or are you dobbing someone else in? Over there. Nina, what do we do? I'm coming around. Hello, band. The band sits at the back because they're the cool kids. Sorry. Go for it. Um, the Lord was speaking to me this week about letting go of my worries, and that his shoulders are broad and large, and he's much more capable of taking my worries, and I shouldn't be carrying the burdens of the whole world. You know, we, we are to pray about the world, but not allow it to overwhelm us and the Lord was saying to me just let go you know let go of all okay let go of your cares let go of your worries that's really hard yeah Nina thank you so much that's really honest um how do you let go of your worries because don't we just carry them how do we let go of them Yeah, brilliant. Nana, thank you so much. If you didn't hear that, she was saying about actually literally standing there with an open hand and standing there with, with that gesture. And I think that goes back to what we were saying about posture the other day, about, about just if your posture is let of an open hand of your worries. And, but she was saying she needs to keep doing it. Nana, that's very honest. Thank you. But you need to keep doing it. And if, you, if a worry springs up in the day, you submit it back to God and you do the gesture. I think that's a great idea. Any, one or two other suggestions of what we could do? Hello. The band are at the back. You should be sat at the back. Sorry, go. No. No, you are. Cool. Sorry, carry on. Okay, that's a great tip. When you're praying, listen more than talk. That's good. I like that. Don't not talk, but listen more than talk. Liz. Shout it out. Go for it. That's, that's very good. I like that. There's a, there's a symbolism. About, a bit like what Nina was saying about the open hands. Actually, when you wash your hands or when you put on your shoes, it's, it, treat it as a symbolic action of your submission to whatever you're going to do to God. One more, maybe. Or maybe that's it. Maybe that's the whole... With, oh, there's lots. There's, there's two more. Let's have two more. Claire. Okay. Okay. 
How does Jesus see that person? Particularly when they're annoying you. I reckon Jesus is annoyed too. Oh, no, he's not. No, he loves them. <laughs> no, the, the thing, that's so good. It's so, you're so right. It's so right. But it's so hard. That's the problem. Daniel, was that you? Go for it. That's a great one. Committing some of your free time, time you might have done something for yourself, give it up to do something for Jesus instead, like pray or worship or whatever. That's a fantastic one. Okay. Noah has one. <laughs> we've, got our, we've got our six now, Noah. Sorry, no, go on. You say yours. Well, one, I can't Okay. Honor your father and mother, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Preach it. Um, Sorry. It was just to um, be grateful for the things God has given you, and maybe you could keep a gratitude journal. <laughs> no, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> Why are you all giggling? That's a great idea. A gratitude journal. That is a great idea. Like your dad. Like yeah, brilliant. <laughs> I am. Um, I was once inspired by, and, and your mum. Yeah, no, sorry. I was once inspired. You know that song, 10,000 Reasons? 10,000 Reasons for My Heart to Find, which is basically saying I should find 10,000 reasons in my heart to thank God. So I did actually start seeing if I could write a list of 10,000 things I was grateful for God for. I think I got to about 400. But it's quite an interesting challenge because once you start thinking, that's a really good idea. Thank you very much, Noah. Well done. Right. Um, Kate, let's, do you want to come and pray for us? And, and then we'll, I'll go and sing a closing song. Are we, yeah. I was going to say if we have the band. <laughs> oh.